1: Well hello, my name is Eric Estep. And I'm Scott Reavely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been here, Scott. I've I remember I was here last week editing, but you weren't here. We didn't record a podcast, so
0: where where have you been? Well, so just just so you know, we're continuing to put stuff out. We just took a week off of recording, right? So I oh, yeah, don't they, want everybody to think we've They don't know where we
1: are in the past or the future. Oh, we're just okay. recording and it'll get released. It's fine.
0: We're out there in the ether somewhere. Yes. Well, I was in, in the California ether last week. I went down to a family California <laughs> ether. <laughs> I, I was. I was at a family wedding, and the the, the the venue was lovely. It was at my sister's house, and my nephew got married, and there was just a lot of really good things that were uh, enjoyed by all. But the uh, probably the thing that's most noteworthy of the Uh, at least the thing I want to tell you about how's that was the was the DJ at the uh, at the wedding so they they had really nice music for the wedding itself and then the DJ played for the reception and um, you know it was it was a really interesting thing I mean the guy first first of all very first thing he makes this joke he says I know I know all the Californians are moving to Texas but but that's not me. I was a Texan, and I moved to California. And he paused, and nobody laughed, and it was real awkward. And I'd push the crickets button, but I don't know which button it is. Yeah, there it was crickets, <laughs> and it was weird. And then, and then he started to play the music. Well, the music was this combination of pan flute music and Star Wars, and show tunes, and in, in nothing that you would recognize. Just kind of. Uh, all over the place and and then it came time for things to begin to happen right so he's playing pan flute music and then the the bride and groom were going to make their entrance and so he said looks like the bride and groom are coming around the corner and then he hit this button the bride and groom are coming around the corner and you know everyone's supposed to clap and then a few minutes later he said okay it's it's time for the first dance and then he hit that same button again the bride and groom will enjoy their first dance and he had the recorded thing for like every single thing that happened was it was it his voice recorded no no it was this some you know super <laughs> super commentator voice it was amazing but but it you know he said we're going to have dinner push the button <laughs> it's time for dinner Uh, I mean, craziest thing. And so the whole night long, and finally, somebody at one table said, when it comes time to announce, you know, our table can go to dinner, can I just, can he do it? (laughs) He actually has to take the microphone from the guy so that somebody at the table could announce it. So anyway, it was just a funny, that was just a funny piece in the whole weekend, but anyway i i hope that our podcast is not like that where somebody's like hoping to steal the microphone and like can <laughs> we do this instead this is like rah. awful so anyway that was uh that was part of my weekend oh, how, how so you're back how's the week uh, um well the week wasn't so good i came back and on the way home just mysteriously my knee that i had replaced here not long ago kind of blew up i mean it got about twice its size and it couldn't end and it was weird so i've uh, i walked a little bit today and i'm not hobbling so bad but it was just a strange it's a strange week for me eric but thank this you is, for asking i'm here you never here, have yeah. strange weeks i'm sure because you're a politician that i don't know what that means but yeah
1: all, all my weeks are strange
0: that's what that means i know that's exactly what that means
1: so you uh you got back you were in a you were in like a city meeting right
0: I got, uh, yeah, well, I was back on Tuesday and Wednesday. I went to a faith leaders meeting here in part of our city. And uh, it is it is the kind of thing, and I'm just going to fess up because I've skipped a few of these things in my day too. Um, you know, the faith leaders meeting, and there were two of us mm. there in for the whole city. And there were some people from schools and PTAs and the, sit, you know, the city itself and a couple of police officers and things, but there were a couple there were two mm-hmm. faith leaders at the faith leader meeting. So anyway, it was just a little bit, um, that's just how it is, I guess. And um, they they had some uh, a report, basically somebody gave a report from the county on where you can get county money for this and that problem. And then the other person they had uh, come was uh, somebody who had been, who was part of the sustainability uh, task force or um for the city and you know i when i hear sustainability i think recycling and you know um, clean energy and those sorts of things and and that was part of their thing so i even had to ask like why are you talking to us about this other thing because the other thing he was talking about was what he called resilience and the whole point of his talk to us on resilience was in order especially like in a natural disaster or the ice storm like we had a little while ago For the neighborhood to be in the city itself to be resilient, you need these pockets of people who know one another and these, um, you know, either neighborhoods or some coordinator, some way that people can communicate with other people that they already know. Mm. So you're building these bridges and you're building these relationships before you need them in case of emergency. And that was his whole, you know, spiel that we need to be doing this throughout the city and that of course he would say uh churches and um religious organizations are a good place to start with that and Mm. i assured him that we talk about it all the time Mm. uh for our church in fact just uh knowing your
1: neighbors and
0: yeah just last weekend i know somebody from our church had like 30 neighbors stop by a front you know uh Front yard coffee mm. uh, event that they held for the neighbors, which is exactly what we hope people will do uh, for the church. But yeah, in, just just plug that, listeners.
1: If you're thinking, trying to figure out something to do for your neighbors, I've done that too. You just you make a bunch of coffee, put a table out front. I we put a sign in the yard the day before or a couple of days before. Coffee's going to be here at nine a.m. And yeah, if you want to meet some neighbors, that's a
0: that's an easy way to do it. So yeah, and it really worked in this case. So I told them about that, but. Uh, the reality is what the city was trying to organize or hope hoping would happen organically. Mm. He said like a plant that just sort of spreads out, you know mm. um, was this idea that we need something between uh, uh, a family mm. that lives in a house and a city which doesn't really know the families. Mm-hmm. We need some something in the middle, mm-hmm. like a neighborhood. Um, you know, a small neighborhood association or a neighborhood friendship or barbecue or whatever. So you know how to help people and you have relationships Mm. before you need them in case of emergency. It's kind of hard to sell an emergency as a reason to do that. But the reality is he was tapping into something that has been um, historically in America, just a really important piece of American life. And Mm. that is the intermediate you might say, the intermediate institution or the intermediate structure that various things in our culture mm-hmm. provide.
1: One, and from a government interest, the interest is for emergencies. Uh, from the individual or the family interest, there's many other interests beyond the emergency. But I, I'm remembering back uh, when we had that big freeze. Um, I don't remember what we call that thing. The, the ice storm. The ice storm. It was miserable, Yeah, yes. It was miserable. Um, and I, I met some neighbors really quickly and got to be connected with them. And, and we helped each other because you, you can't, you can't you go to help. Yeah. You needed help. And you couldn't go, Oh, what's the, what's the Westland, uh, Twitter's telling us to do like that. There is no, that's Elec- all gone. There's no electricity. There's no electricity. You can't do anything. Who, who am I going to help? Who is going to help me take the, the branches off of the street so we can actually drive through. It was all the neighbors and we, mm-hmm. we became close quickly. So that, that's the. That's what where the interest would be at a governmental level is the emergency, but there's you're, we're going to talk about that. Well there's, well, there's a bunch of other benefits for that. Yeah, and
0: the government's interest as well is that the the more you the more people you know, and the more people who know you, the safer your neighborhood will be, mm. and the less uh, there will be crime, and the more you will perceive that this is a a good place to live, and mm-hmm. that that kind of a thing. So the city has multiple interests in it, of course, but uh, the reality is that is been, has been a historical uh, value in American life from mm. the beginning. Mm. Uh, visitors uh, would comment on that, uh, you know, early, early on in uh, in the colonies, and then again uh, once the the states declared their independence. And so, uh, these intermediate structures are part of what builds, you know, what we have come to know as American uh, society. And the the I suppose the name for that is social capital. There needs to be some some way to build social capital, and I I think that that's what you know that's going to be the topic of this episode mm-hmm. because social capital is the is not a you know it's not a individual thing and it's not a government thing and it really isn't necessarily a Christian thing. But it is necessary for the proper functioning of uh, democracy, and uh, you know the, the kind of society that we want to have. And so, the well, it's, and it's a human thing. It's not right. necessarily a Christian thing, but it's a human thing. That's probably a great way to say it. Yes. And so, one of the one of the classic pieces, uh, uh, classic books that's been written on this. Uh, and it's been almost uh, 20 years now I think it's called Bowling Alone by um, Robert Putnam and it was about um, the demise of these organizations that create social capital like bowling leagues. He said that it used to be the people would be in bowling leagues all the mm. time and now they go bowl alone and that's what he was lamenting mm. and uh, you know you think about all of these things so that that probably might be helpful to talk about we we mentioned neighbors who know each other in case of an ice storm or bowling leagues but uh the farmer's market mm-hmm. is one of those things where you just go out and you see people and you get to know who's in your city um you know there are um, i mean i think the little libraries that pop up are popping up now on different corners oh, sure are uh take a book leave a book yeah those that those kind of thing that's that's book part clubs. of clubs what's that book clubs book clubs uh yeah eric wanted to advocate for book clubs in this episode um yeah book clubs there are all kinds of um things that can be created um you know softball teams or volunteering for Mm -hmm. you know coaching little league or um or the PTA or Rotary Club, Rotary Lions, yeah, all those sorts of things, and there's they're just everywhere. In the Putnam's book, essentially, was lamenting the fact that those are not now uh, what they used to be. Mm. In other words, they're not as popular, and there aren't as many of them. And people, and he did this by asking the question, you know, various questions like. Um, how, how many trying to quantify how many neighbors do you know, or how many times did you go to church in the last year? How many times did you go to a community, um, or a like a state or city function last year? How many times did you do, and, and basically tried to quantify all of those things and then said the number of those things way down from what it used to be, mm. and uh, so the. The fabric, it just uh, kind of addresses the, you might say, the fabric of American life. Um, there's been a lot of I mean, there has been a lot of work on this, uh, and I will I, th- I think I, I just want to say that even at Bucknell University, they they talked about the collapse, there's a there's a professional paper there done by a couple of faculty members, a collapse of intermediate structures is the name of it. And they're, um, they were saying, that uh, he, you know, they asked the question. This is the start of the article. It says, how can we explain the rise of President Trump and the attraction of his campaign behavior before and since he took office? We argue here that the collapse of intermediate structures has been a key factor, that the associations and groups which are building blocks of pluralistic politics have been eroded to such an extent that personality politics have been able to take over the political stage. Mm. And I, th- I thought that was worth m- mentioning, whether you— a Trump fan or not, because the difference between pluralistic politics and personality politics are, it, I think that's worth noting, because you don't have this mingling now with people who might not agree with you or mm-hmm. who might look differently than you do. Mm-hmm. You don't have that anymore or as much. And so that weakens those ties and you're looking for something else and personality mm-hmm. ends up... um winning the day.
1: I think another piece there, which this kind of touches on, um, this is a Yuval Levin point, but he talks about institutions and institutions being a forming mechanism for people. So uh, I I go to a school, I I went to Corbin College. Mm -hmm. Corbin College is a forming institution that is supposed to um, form me into something more mature or my life group at church is a forming institution that should point me in a particular direction. Um, That's, that's the proper use of institutions. And uh, Levin's point now is that we, instead of kind of submitting to institutions, we use them as platforms rather than forming devices, Um, not devices, but uh, means. And that's another thing that's going on. If I can, if I can take this institution and use it for my ends Um, I, one, I break an institution because it's not being used for its proper purpose, but I'm using it for my personality. I'm using it as a platform, um, to get what I want rather than give myself to it. It's a means of
0: something else Mm -hmm. rather than the end, rather than Mm -hmm. having it be, uh, having it shape you. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, well, I I think that's helpful to think about because whatever institutions you belong to intermediating institutions, whether it's the book club or whether it's, the life group or, um, the PTA or the lines or whatever, uh, sometimes there's work involved there. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, commit to this. I'm going to su- submit to this in some cases and, um, it may change me. It may change the way I think it may change the way I engage the world, but there's work involved and that I've begun to think about it more that way. Like what, if I engage this piece, what will it do to me? How, how will it change me? Um, rather than just a, What'll, what'll I get out of it? Well, how can I use this for my own ends?
0: Well, it might make you tired. It might make you bitter. It might make you whatever. But the thing is, it's going to keep you out of your own head mm. as a, you know, yeah. if you're going to sit on your couch and watch Netflix all day, right. you know, you're going to be a different kind of person in a year than mm-hmm. you are if you're just throw in and engage with your book club or with other right. people in those other um, kinds of ways. So you're, you're right. I'm glad you mentioned the idea of, uh, formation.
1: What's what's that quote you uh, the person you'll be a year from now the only difference between the person you are today and a year from now are the people you meet and the books you read. So if you don't if you just sit and watch Netflix <laughs> you're probably not going to be a different person in a year.
0: Well, you might be, but it might, might not be. be in the direction it you want. might not be in the direction you want to go. Yeah. Um this social capital, there are several definitions, but the I I think the it's, it's helpful to think of it in terms uh, that, that Putnam uses, and he, he borrows this from a couple other uh, researchers, but he talks about there being two different kinds of social capital. And the first is bonding social capital, which is the value that, assi- that is assigned to social networks between homogeneous groups of people. So these are people like me, like an extended family, mm. or you know could be like some churches anyway that are not very heterogeneous, but uh, could be even. Um, I suppose you you could have some kind of a union or something where people are like you, mm. and then there's bridging social capital, which are the value assigned to social networks between socially heterogeneous groups. So there are people who are not like you, and we need both of those kinds of social capital so that we're strengthening bonds like in my neighborhood with people. In case I need help, mm-hmm. I want the people who are so like me that they live across the street to be able to come over and help. Mm. And that's we need bonding social capital like that so that before we need the the help, we build the relationship. And then we need bridging social capital so that I can understand those rowdy teenagers or mm. whatever, you know, other people who aren't like me. Sure. So I can figure them out and not be so hostile toward people who are not like me. Mm. And so he, he mentions those two kinds of social capital that I think are worth uh, worth highlighting, because uh, what we're what we're trying to get at is the fact that if you're going to really have a... Um, you're really going to help the church uh, live into uh, and, and reach the world, you're going to have to work at building social capital with some people that are outside of Mm. your normal interactions. Mm -hmm. And some of those relationships will be with people like you or who live near you. Some of those relationships are going to be with people who are not like you and that you may not agree with. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's one of the points that that Bucknell article was um, mentioning was that when you don't have, especially those bridging, Uh, social capital things with people who are not like you, then you get very tribal and you end up being very partisan. And that's some of the pressure that I think we're feeling in our world today, the partisan pressure, is that we just don't have avenues where we can constructively interact with people who are not like us. Mm.
1: Oh, and it makes sense that that would be a polarizing Uh, thing, because if, if I'm only talking to people exactly like me in those homogeneous groups, um, it just becomes more difficult to even hear what other people are saying. And I just think about that at a, one of our goals in life groups is to have it be a pretty widespread, uh, demographics. So, uh, I don't, we don't split those up by age or anything like that. It's Mm -hmm. no, you, you just join whatever group happens to be closest to you or whatever group that they works. And that's been helpful because um, I think right now our group has uh less than a year old and then over over seventy and every mm-hmm. everything in between, so you something will happen, and we'll be talking about it, and you get the perspective of of the fifteen year old and the perspective of the of the seven year old and those could be very different perspectives and this, everything in between, and then you're forced to talk about mm-hmm. all of it rather than just one one side not just side but we all see it the same way right yep
0: and so that's um, one of the things that uh, that uh, Putnam mentions uh, as well is that is the way that this social capital works and you just mentioned one and that is um, you know information flows or the the way that you learn about things whether you learn about uh, ideas or perspectives or whatever the social capital is the you know the the description of the relationship that in which you learn those things and so the information flows along the lines of these social networks or relationships and it might be finding out about a job it might be um, you know, it could be any number of things where you wouldn't have access to that if you didn't have those people in your life. Mm. And so that's one of the one of his um, the the ways that he recommends, uh, or the thing the reasons he recommends building social capital is because you get uh, information flow that you don't get if you just have an ec- your own echo chamber online. Maybe another he he says is the norms of reciprocity which I think is a funny way of saying if you need help, someone helps you or they need help, you help them. And those are social networks where you just uh, help one another. And that's that's kind of my description of the neighborhood when we're going to have an ice storm mm. and you have to go check on your neighbor and see if they have heat. And that's a norm of reciprocity. And you, those things have to be built before you need them. Mm. And they connect uh, people ahead of time so that when you have those more uh, disastrous or frustrating experiences, you have something to fall back on.
1: When we t- and I just keep going back to life groups because that's what I do here at this church. Uh, but we talk about bearing one another's burdens. You have to be in a group, and you have to know the group before you can bear one another's burdens. And you, you can't all of a sudden make those, make those connections as soon, once your burdens show up. You need to be there first, and then it's, oh, this thing i wasn't expecting this to happen but i have this group now that will help me and that's yeah that's helpful
0: another thing that he says happens in social networks is collective action which is the way that groups work together so there might be uh, some collective action he talks about the what like what the black church the role the black church played in the civil rights movement for instance they that social network uh, of the church was part of a larger movement and so it might be that it might be the fact that you know the people that you know in your neighborhood or in your um book club or whatever all want to take action on uh tolling or something uh on the interstate nearby my my kind of my pet political issue here
1: just just jumped out there it just might be that (laughs) might be tolling
0: um But if if I'm the only one concerned about that or I don't know the other people who are concerned about that, Mm. nothing's going to get done, is it? Right. And so that's one of the things that happens when you build these other auxiliary relationships is that you then are able to do some kind of collective action together. And uh, then he just says, when you have these relationships, you have broader identities and solidarity that translate from an I mentality to a we mentality so that it's not just my thing it's our thing mm-hmm. and it's our neighborhood it's our city it's our issue and the the, lo- the more you have that the the healthier I, I i think and you as a as a life group person you would probably say this true but the healthier you would be but i i think i you'd also say that the healthier the city will be or the healthier mm-hmm. the The country will be if we have more of these kinds of relationships so Mm -hmm. anyway that's uh that's a little bit on social capital and and you know part of i i think part of the reason that i thought it was worth talking about is that um well you're running for office and there's only so much you can do when you're holed up with other legislators you can't really solve most of these kinds of real human problems and the government's not going to be the answer for most of those right and so somewhere there has to be support for these interme- intermediate intermediate uh, relationships and institutions and structures and and really the church is one of those mm-hmm. and so I mean part of part of Putnam's uh, lament is that the people's relationship with their churches has weakened mm. and when when those communities weaken and there becomes fewer people part of it then you end up with um less of the social capital mm-hmm. of this fabric that holds a community together and you end up with more partisanship and more anger and more frustration and that's just. Uh, I think it's really important for us to acknowledge the importance of this intermediate uh, space, mm-hmm. so that when we're saying, you know, let's help the the church be discipled in following Jesus in the world, at, or so they understand their role in the political environment. I mean, the role of the church in the political environment is partly. To be one of these chief uh, intermediate sure organizations, and so we do have a role to play that's not just you know religious in nature; it's social right. in nature, and it's uh, relational in nature, and it's um, you know it is loving your neighbor like uh, Jesus says, but it's also really pretty essential for the fabric of uh, our cities and mm-hmm. countries. So
1: yeah, because all if if we're just talking about problems. All problems are not limited to the individual sphere or the family sphere and the governmental sphere. Um, there are so many things in the in the intermediate space, there, the middle space, uh, where those those problems find solutions. And if you take too big a tool and try to solve a small problem, you break things. And if you take too small a tool and try to solve things, you're going to get really really frustrated and fixed. Yeah. Uh, and we need all of these, all these pieces. So we've just spent a lot of time describing social capital. Um, What you you described fabric coming apart. Are there other, like what happens if if we don't have enough social capital? I I can see the the, the deficit I will have as an individual or as a family um, if I don't have enough social capital. But when you describe uh, community coming apart, is that like, wow, we, we're not going to have a state anymore, we're not going to have a country anymore because
0: um, if we don't have enough of
1: these middle institutions or these middle places?
0: Well, then I mean, I think that's a fair question. And I mean, clearly, by definition, we'd probably still have those things. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think what we would have is we would have more despair. We would mm-hmm. have more loneliness. We would have mm-hmm. more isolation. We would have more anger because I don't... I'm not connected to anybody or anything that uh, can, uh, where I can make any difference or get any feedback. I'm going to have, I'm going to be much more, uh, I'm going to say partisan Mm. or polarized because I don't have these bridging uh, relationships that will help me. So, I mean, I think there's lots of cascading. Uh, and I think that's what you're asking, isn't it? Lots mm-hmm. of cascading effects of missing social capital in our world. And I think uh,
1: the the positive view would be the flourishing, where where all these things are in place, um, whether it's the church or the PTA or whatever, there's opportunity for flourishing. And I think if those things go away, I, you, you mentioned despair. Where there's lack of flourishing, there's going to be despair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're... I, I keep going back to Genesis, um, where we, we were created. Uh, Adam and Eve were created, put in a garden, and said, "Hey, you need to be co-creators with me, and have dominion over this place, and take care of this place, and um, eventually build things." And I think that's that's why I said it's it's part of what it means to be human. We're supposed to build things. We're supposed to. Um, if you go to Jeremiah twenty nine, we're supposed to we're supposed to plant gardens and take care of our families and um, build these different. Uh, formations and institutions and things and if we don't do that we're, we're doing something less than human
0: well you know because it's human and because it's built in uh, like that uh, by god if you don't have those you'll have to find them mm-hmm. i mean one of the things that uh, padam even mentions is that you know gangs fill in those mm. relationships for uh, for those who have been ostracized by family or who mm-hmm. don't have other supporting uh, relationships like teams or something else, you'll find, you know, you'll, you'll find those somewhere else. Right. And you're going to, that, that's a problem clearly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, it I, also th-
1: shows the innateness of it.
0: It does. It does. And so I think you're right. We've got to admit that that's part of the human condition is to mm-hmm. live in community and be with other people And for some of us, I mean, you can be an introvert and it can, you know, exhaust you to do this. But the reality is you'll be better for it Mm. and your city will be better for it. And your, you know, the community, the bridge club or the bowling league or whatever is going to be better for it if you will put yourself out there.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's probably the action item from this episode, friends, is if you are not in some middle Middle place. If you find yourself only paying taxes or watching Netflix by yourself, you should probably engage something in the middle. So, obviously, first on our list would be go to church. That's that's mm-hmm. our favorite middle institution. Um, but uh, join a book club. Join. I'm on a. I'm in a running group. Join yeah. a running group. Um, there are lots of different middle places, and I'd say. Join one, and if, if there's none around you, and that you can see amongst all the people around you that none of them belong to some middle place, start your own. Yeah, I've started many a, a middle place uh, mm-hmm. around different things, and um, it's it's really uh, fulfilling to create a place for community to build and relationships get formed and matured and um, they grow. And it's I, again, I think it's what it means to be human is to connect yeah. with people. So. Do you so have any other?
0: I would say, that, no, that's a great takeaway is find a place like that and just do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, be that person that starts something or join something. Mm-hmm. Be a joiner or a starter. It doesn't yeah. matter. But th- those are probably your two options.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You all have homework. So, well, I think that's good for today. We can talk. We will be talking more about intermediate institutions the middle places because it's important um, but until the next time don't forget to subscribe on the apple Podcasts or wherever you get these podcasts uh, share this with a friend share this with a friend who you may want to start a middle place with at an uh, intermediate institution um, if you find what we're doing helpful a review goes a long way share this with um yeah sure i already said that share it with a friend you know what to do uh, send questions to comment at cityonahillpodcast.com And if you want to record, you can also go to speakpipe.com slash city on a hill podcast. And until next time, we look forward to the next conversation.